Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Rizzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we are featuring Frank Sinatra, George Burns and Gracie Allen, Dean Martin, and Laman Abner. One of the most popular musical programs during the 30s, 40s, and 50s was the Hit Parade. During the Second World War, the program was broadcast every Saturday night, and millions of servicemen and women around the world would listen to the top ten songs of the week. During its more than 20-year history, many stars appeared on the program, including Buddy Clark, Doris Day, Andy Russell, Dinah Shore, Lawrence Tibbett, and Frank Sinatra. I wonder how many listeners remember the Hit Parade broadcast of December 2nd, 1944, when Frank Sinatra sang this number one song of the week. Number one. Yes, friends, this is the song that topped this week. The song the survey finds at the very head of your hit parade. Frank Sinatra sings it for us. The number one song on your hit parade. The trolley song. With her high starch collar and her high top shoes And her hair piled high upon her head She went to find a jolly hour on the trolley And found my heart instead With my light brown derby and my bright green tie I was quite the lonesomest of men I started the end, so I counted the ten, then I counted the ten again. Clang, clang, clang went the trolley, ding, ding, ding went the bell, zing, zing, zing went my heartstrings, for the moment I saw her I fell. Chuck, chuck, chuck went the motor. Bump, bump went the brake. Thump, thump, thump went my heart straight. When she smiled, I could feel the car shake. I tipped my hat and took a seat. I said I hoped I hadn't stepped upon her feet. I asked her name, then held my breath. She looked so lovely that it scared me half to death. Buzz, 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 Clap, 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 went the wheel. Stop, 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 went my heart through. As she started to leave, I took hold of her sleeve with my hand. And as if it were planned. Stayed on with me and it was grand just to stand with her hand holding mine through the end of the line. And here's the Hit Parade's closing theme song that was equally as famous as the show. Right now it's time to say 
so long for a while. That's all the song for a while. Good night for all of us. You'll find the whole family right here at home, and you're hit for eight next Saturday night. See you then. So Frank Sinatra has had a fabulous career, but did you know that the first time he ever appeared on the radio was in 1938 on the Major Bowes Amateur Hour? That's right, and here's an excerpt of that program. Who'll, uh, who'll speak for the group? I will. I'm Frank Major. Uh, we're looking for jobs. How about it? <laughs> uh, everyone that's ever heard us liked us. We think we're pretty good, and we play real swing music, too. Real modern swing music, ultra-modern music. What's your tune? The Choice of an Aching Heart. Choice of an Aching Heart. You made me what I am today. I hope you're satisfied. You dragged me down and down until the soul within me died. George Burns and Gracie Allen appeared in vaudeville for many years. And as a matter of fact, Gracie Allen played straight, and George Burns was the comedian when they first began their act. Of course, they were most successful when they changed places, and George played straight for Gracie Allen. Here's an excerpt from one of their radio shows in 1946. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Bob. Gracie, what do we talk about? Well, we can only talk about five minutes. That's all they want us to talk about. <laughs> yeah. I meant, what subject would you like to talk about? Oh. Well, I got a letter from my sister Hazel today. That was interesting. What did she say in the letter? Well, uh, she was telling me about her son, Wilbur. He's very tall, you know. I know, I know. He seems even taller because he's got high blood pressure. <laughs> Kid has to stand on a chair to put his hat on. Uh, <laughs> Please. I'm a little too funny, I guess. <laughs> High blood pressure is no laughing matter. In fact, Wilbur has to sleep on the floor to keep, keep it, it lower. <laughs> yeah, well, he's smart to know that. Uh, of course, Hazel and her husband haven't seen much of Wilbur because he ran away from home when he was only 39. <laughs> I bet it upset the folks when they found out the kid was missing. Well, they would have been upset, but they didn't know he was missing for three years. <laughs> How did they find out? Oh. Well, you see, every morning, Hazel used to bring him up a plate of oatmeal. And after three years, she looked in his room and found it full of oatmeal, and she said to herself, well, the poor kid must be sick. He's not eating. <laughs> That's how she found out he was missing? Mm-hmm. Did she send for the police? No. She ate the oatmeal herself. <laughs> she ate all that oatmeal by herself? Mrs. Davis wouldn't eat it. Mrs. Davis. Wouldn't touch it, huh? No. Who's, who's Mrs. Davis? Hazel's housekeeper. She's the one with the seven sets of twins. <laughs> she has seven sets of twins? Well, you see, her husband makes bookends for a living, and it's affected their whole life. <laughs> and here's Burns and Allen doing one of their vaudeville routines. Well, Gracie, now that we're doing a few television shows in New York City, how about doing one of the routines we did at the Palace Theater? Well, 
You know, that's a coincidence. I went shopping today and I got on a bus and the bus driver recognized me. And he said he saw us at the Palace Theater and still remember the routine about my brother going hunting. Wonderful. Let's do that routine. All right. All right. But you know, uh, the bus driver not only recognized me, he knew everybody on the bus. Oh? He uh, called Lexington and Mr. Lexington got up and got off. And then he called Madison and Mr. and Mrs. Madison got, got up, up and, and got, got off. off. Yeah. Yes, and you should see what a big family the brother always have. About 15 or 20, I guess. How did you know? Well, I, I know Sam Broadway. He used to do a double act in vaudeville called Broadway and Canal. Oh. Very good actor. Yes. Now, there was a dear, sweet little old lady sitting beside me, and she said, Miss, can I take this bus to the Waldorf Astoria Hotel? And I said, well, no, I don't think so. They won't even allow you to take a dog in there. <laughs> You saved a lot of trouble. Yes. Well, that's what I told the man sitting beside me. Man, what happened to the little old lady? She moved. Oh, she moved. Well, now, Gracie, let's do the routine we did at the Palace Theater. All right. All right. Anyway, this man sitting beside me wanted to know how to get to Macy's. So I said, well, you watch where I get off, and you get off eight blocks before me. Sure, let me ask you. Yes. Young girl sitting beside me said, hold, I beg hold, your pardon. Hold, hold, pretty young girl. There was a man sitting beside you. Oh, he moved, moved too. too. Yes. <laughs> anyway, this young girl's husband was standing beside her, and she said to me, she said, I beg your pardon, but how far can we go in this bus? And I said, well, use your own judgment, but if I were you, I wouldn't do any more than hold hands. Well, uh, who's sitting next to you now? Uh, the man with the glasses, but he wouldn't talk to me. Why not? Well, you see, when I first got on the bus, there were no seats. So the driver said, well, just grab one of those leather straps and hang on. And so I did. But when I was going around the curve, I, I pulled too hard and the strap came loose. Did you, did you fall? No, but the man who was wearing it almost lost his pants. <laughs> uh, that was the man with the glasses? Yes. Well, now let's do the hunting routine that we did at the palace. All right. Yeah. But if we do it, let's do it for the bus driver. He loves it. <laughs> there were a number of teams on radio, including Amos and Andy, Howard and Shelton, Merton Marge, Vic and Sade, Fibber McGee and Molly, and those two fellas from Pine Ridge, Arkansas, Lum and Abner. Uh, Granny's Abner, I believe that's our ring. Yeah, I believe it was. Never mind, I'll get it, I'll get it. Hello, John Down Store. This is Lum and Abner. Dick Huddleston. A few days ago, a stranger left some diamonds with Lum and Abner's bank for safekeeping. Well, our two old friends suspect now that the diamonds were stolen from a rich widow in Kansas City, and Lum has written her a letter asking about them. He also includes his picture in the letter, too, just in case the widow is the romantic type. Lum can't wait to get an answer. Now, in just a moment, we'll see what the old fellows are up to today. 
What time does the train leave, Long? It leaves the county seat at 5 o'clock this afternoon and gets in Kansas City early in the morning. Well, you're going to have to do some jumping around, then. It's nearly 3 o'clock right now. Well, I don't want to leave till the mailman gets here. Oh. See, if I get a letter from Miss Barrington, I may not have to go. I'll have plenty of time if the mailman ain't late. Got my hand satchel all packed over there, and Cedric's going to drive me into the county seat. Yeah, I knowed the minute you walked in with that valise, you was heading for Kansas City. Well, now, how did you know that? I might have been going in the other direction. Well, I knowed. Ever since Squire told you about Miss Barrington being a rich widow, you've just been busting to see her. I ain't going just to see her. I'm going to take them diamonds to her. Looks to me like if she was interested in getting them back, why, she'd have answered your letter. She might not have got the letter. Ah, the only address we had was just Miss J. Simpson Barrington, Kansas City, Missouri. Maybe they couldn't find her without no street number on there. I'm going up there and look till I find her. Well, now, Lom, I wouldn't just hand her them diamonds till you know for sure they belong to her. I ain't going to. I'll tell her the whole story, how we got them and all. Tell her about a feller coming in here calling himself John Devereaux and wanted to leave a tin box with some insurance papers in it for safekeeping. Well, how are you going to tell her we found out the box had that secret drawer with the sack of diamonds in it? Just tell her that you accidentally dropped it on the floor and the drawer come out. And I just never want her to think we was breaking into that box to see what was in it. Well, I ain't worried about her. I just don't want that feller John Devereaux to find out we know about him. Oh, no, no, no. He's going to be mad enough to bite if he comes back here for that box and finds out we've done turned the diamonds over to Miss Barrington. Well, can he lawsuit us? No, not if he stole them from her. That's the reason I'm anxious to talk to Miss Barrington, find out if the diamonds was stole before he gets back. Yeah, well, now, he said he might not come back himself. Said he might send that receipt we give him by somebody else and we could turn a box over to them. Well, regardless of who comes after it, I want to find out if they're stole first. Well, what if he comes in after that box while you're gone, though? Well, I... Granny's, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Well, that'll just be a chance you'll have to take, Abner. I'll have to take? Well, you'll be the only one here to try to explain where the diamonds is at. Oh, my goodness sakes alive. Yeah, now, there's something else. Hey, hey maybe I better go to Kansas City with you, Lom, and help you find her. Well, you can't do that, Abner. You can't just close the store and the bank right here. I might have to be gone several days. Lom, if that feller's mean enough to steal them diamonds in the first place, no telling what he'll do if he finds out we took them out of that box. Well, there will be some fighting going on around here. And I don't look good with a knife in my back. I'll tell you, when I leave, we'll close that vault door and lock it. And if he comes back for the box while I'm gone, you can just tell him the president of the bank's out of town and you don't know the combination. Good, yeah, that's what I'll tell him. That's it right there, yeah. I'd rather get a letter from her today, though, and then we'd know where we stood. Yeah, well, she's had time to answer your letter. Oh, I reckon she's so busy taking care of all them oil wells, she ain't had time to sit down and write. Yeah, more like it just comes in of a night too tired to... Right. I know that pumping them gasoline pumps is awful hard work. I tried that one time. She ain't got gasoline pumps. She's got oil wells. Well, she's got a pump on them. I reckon like them gasoline pumps. Well, she don't run the oil wells herself, no way. She's got all the business to look after, the book work and all. Oh. That's the reason she ought to have a husband, somebody to tend to them things for her. Yeah, before she loses everything she's got. Women folks ain't got no business judgment. I bound you, she's a regular rattlebrain. Mind out, Abner, you're talking about the woman I love. Love? You ain't never even seen her. No, but she's seen me, or a picture of me anyway. Put that picture in the letter I wrote her, and, well, 
It just happened. Love's like that. Cupid starts shooting them bows and arrows at you, and you're a goner. Well, you better wait till you look at her. I bound you she's as ugly as a mud thing. Now, Abby, <laughs> you just hash up that kind of talk. You may be making slighting remarks about the future Ms. Eddards. Granny said, sounds funny, don't it? Ms. Eddards. <laughs> Reckon how many oil wells she's got? I don't know. Squire said she was rich, I know that. Funny how fate steps in and brings folks together that way. A week ago, I never had heard of Miss Barrington. No, I ain't heard of nothing else since. Miss Barrington, Miss Barrington. Now look, Abner, if you and her can't get along, we're going to have to unsolve partnerships. Can't get along? I don't even know the woman. No, but you keep picking on her, making slighting remarks. All right, I won't mention her name again. Be nice to her, and maybe we'll give you oil well. Ah. If we've got any extra ones. Make you assistant manager. That way I can spend some time... Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. There comes Cedric. I guess he's ready. Oh, the mail carrier must be in then. I told him to stay over to Dick Huddleston's store till they sorted the mail. Granny's he ain't got no letter in his hand, neither. Uh, uh. Come in, Cedric. Yeah, howdy, Cedric. No mail carrier's in, Mr. Lum, but there wasn't no letter for you. Not a thing, huh? No, Mom. Well, I guess I'll go then, Abner. You got plenty of gasoline in your car, Cedric? Yes, Mom. Filled her up a while ago. Well, I'll pay you for your expense. You get your car and bring it over here to the store, and I'll be ready by the time you get back. Yes, Mom. You better get a move on now, Cedric. You ain't got a whole lot of time before that train leaves. Well, I'll be right back. Doggies, I wished I was going with you long. Well, I wish you could, too, Abner. We had somebody to take care of the store and the bank. Well, here, I better get them diamonds out of that box and put them in my hand satchel. Yeah, yeah. I'll just leave the tin box with them insurance papers right there in the safe. Well, now, lock the, the vault door, good lum, and I'll tell everybody I don't know the combination. Yeah, uh, w will you call in there to Depot Abner and get me a reserve seat on the number four? Reserve seat? Well, whatever they call it. A bed's what I want. Oh. Uh -huh. I set up the last time and was nobody to talk to but the news butcher and... I bought about twice as much stuff as a bed would have cost me. Yeah, just tell them you want a bed, huh? Yeah. All On right. the Pullman car. Yeah, all right. Birth, they call them. Upper birth. Upper birth. All right, I'll try to recollect it. Dog is getting a bed just to go up there for one night. Hello? Mamie? Uh, ring the depot for me in there at the county seat, please, Mom. All right. There any, uh, hello? Is this a depot? I want to get a bed on that northbound train this afternoon. Yes, for lawmakers. Oh, uh, upper. What kind of ticket? Oh, of course not. Just a ticket to Kansas City and back. He don't care whether it's round or square. Well, he'll be in there for long after it. Cedric's going to drive him. I say Cedric's going to drive him. Huh? Say, do you get to ride on them trains for nothing? Hello? Hello? Huh. Thought I threw, I reckon. Lom, he said he'd hold it for you. Well, good. I got that sack of diamonds in here. Yeah, well, uh, you watch that hand satchel now. Well, don't you worry. I'm going to carry this satchel right in my hand all the way. Now, you look after the store good. I will, I will. Well, here comes Cedric walking. No, that ain't Cedric. No, I don't know who that is. Oh, some drummer, I reckon. He's a local stranger, I know. Oh. Just tell him we don't need nothing. Yeah, all right. Well, come in, sir. Yeah, how do you do, sir? What can we do for you? I'm looking for Mr. Edwards. Yes, sir, right here. That's my name. Well, this note here will explain it. Oh, to me? 
from Miss Barrington? Hey, shut that, Please deliver to the bearer of this note the box of valuables I left in your safe deposit vault. John Devereaux. Well, go on, Cedric. Say it. Uh-oh. Loman Abner has came to you from Pine Ridge. Two other entertainers teamed up one night in Las Vegas, and the audience at the Sands Hotel never had it so good. Here's Frank Sinatra and his pal, Dean Martin. Hi, everybody. <laughs> he arrived. How'd everybody get in our room? <laughs> Say, I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes. Why, am I in town? <laughs> now, be serious. I tried being serious, Frank. All I could get was construction work. <laughs> you know what a thrill it is to get a hernia at $62.50 a week? Now, Dean, he was here a minute ago. I'll get him. Hey, baby. <laughs> Listen, I want to talk to you about your drinking. What happened? I miss around? No, you didn't miss around. I want to talk to you about the amount that you drink. Have you heard? Are you cognizant of the fact that they are saying things? Am I what, isn't? <laughs> you know what they're saying about you? And how about you? Me? Yeah, you with that elevated suit on. Yeah, you, you, you. <laughs> You shoot a pretty good stick with that bottle yourself. Ah, but I don't inhale. If you're going to hit me with logic, I don't want to chit-chat. Let's have a drink. What? You are drinking. Oh, is that my hand? All right. What I'm trying to say to you is that... Why do you drink so much? I drink to forget. To forget what? I don't know. I forgot that long time ago. You know, I figured out the only time you don't drink is when you're asleep. Don't bet on it. Answer me something. Question me, question me, question me. What is this gripping compulsion that you have constantly to drink, 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 drink? Well, Frank, 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 Frank. <laughs> Why do you drink so much? Well, you see, my structure craves and needs alcohol. Oh. I'm all right. My body's a drunk. That's all. <laughs> you think Zach can try to put a little heat in this room? I'm freezing. Take your hand out of the ice bucket. Oh. Tell me something. Do you fall in the street a lot? It's the only time I get any rest, Frank. Just <laughs> well, what happens when you fall in the street? I hurt myself. <laughs> That's not the answer. No, you think these are cufflinks? These are curb feelers. That's how I get around. concludes this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. I hope you've enjoyed the past few minutes. This is Frank Brzee inviting you back again next time for more great moments from radio programs of the past. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.